When you think about, I always like to use examples of cave people, right? So imagine we're back in cave person times. You are a cave person, Matt, and you are walking down to the side of the river and you suddenly see that there's a black and orange fuzzy rock and you decide to sit down on that rock and that rock becomes a saber-toothed tiger and it rips off half your face. Trauma, right? You somehow escape back to your cave, you get back there safely, and the first thing you do after you make sure you're not bleeding and that you're healthy and you can actually move forward is what? What's the one thing that you do in that moment? You're gonna learn something. Your brain is gonna tell you there's some lesson here that I need to learn. Otherwise, if I don't learn it, I might die. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, today we have the pleasure of having Annie Yatch on the show. She has built three seven-figure businesses in the last 10 years. She specializes in helping people, entrepreneurs that have had trauma in their past or even currently, and she helps them grow and scale their businesses. Now, I will say that trauma can happen in a business just as easily maybe as it can happen in childhood sometimes. So Annie, thank you for hopping on the call. You're Let's so dive welcome. into this. So walk us through right away, like, Take us into what are some of the, the big cases maybe of trauma that you've experienced and how has that led to some great growth for people in business? Well, to be honest, what I found about seven years ago is that almost everyone who is an entrepreneur has some level of trauma that they either have or have not resolved, which has allowed them to be successful to a certain degree of revenue production. And what has happened over the years is they'll get stuck at a certain level of revenue because they haven't resolved the trauma. So... That's something for all of us as entrepreneurs just to be aware of, right? Because as an entrepreneur, what happens every single day, you have thousands of variables, many of them that you cannot control. And when I define trauma, I just say trauma is a perceived lack of control, which is in essence, the entrepreneurial lifestyle. Whoa. Okay. So we need to unpack this for a second here. Trauma <laughs> is a perceived lack of control. So yes. if we take that logically and we expound it a little bit, that's like to say everybody then is a control freak. Is that fair to say? Well, I would say everybody can be a control freak around their particular customized trauma, right? So like, let me give you an example to make it real. So for example, a gentleman came to me to work on his trauma. He didn't even know he had trauma, but I saw that he had this facial tick. And I was like, you know, that's a trauma tick. Cause every time you talk about your trauma, this tick happens. So we ended up identifying that he had made the same decision over and over again for about 10 years that caused him to lose about $9 million. So we shifted that perception and we resolved some of that trauma response for him. So he will never make that same mistake again. He's actually changed his whole life since that ex experience. And he has now gone on to make even more money, but in just a different realm, not making the same bad choices. Got it. So once we have been hurt, we've experienced trauma, we then want to control the situation around that and exercising that control can hurt us in business because it forces us to make decisions that are not in our business's best interest. Correct. You're actually making decisions from your default trauma operating system, which basically restricts and limits how many opportunities you can see. Okay. And I want to go into this, but I want to come back to something you said is all entrepreneurs have trauma. Now, is that like saying everybody in the world has trauma and it just so also happens to be entrepreneurs? Or are you making a more a powerful statement by saying the reason we're entrepreneurs is because we had trauma. I would make a more powerful statement and say the reason why we become entrepreneurs is because we get very comfortable in that state of loss of control. 
So then we recreate that as an entrepreneur so that over and over again in our day-to-day experience, we're experiencing losses of control all over the place, but our ability to problem solve or manage the chaos makes us a good entrepreneur. Yeah. So let's talk about the recreation. Sure. So, so give us an example to illustrate this. Yes. Okay. So let me give you a little bit of a story because I think it's helpful to have a story to tell, to tell this, this part of the trauma. So when you think about, I always like to use examples of cave people, right? So imagine we're back in cave person times. You are a cave person, Matt, and you are walking down to the side of the river and you suddenly see that there's a black and orange fuzzy rock and you decide to sit down on that rock and that rock becomes a saber-toothed tiger and it rips off half your face. Trauma, right? You somehow escape back to your cave. You get back there safely. And the first thing you do after you make sure you're not bleeding and that you're healthy and you can actually move forward is what? What's the one thing that you do in that moment? You're going to learn something. Your brain is going to tell you there's some lesson here that I need to learn. Otherwise, if I don't learn it, I might die. Okay. Then you go to sleep that night. And while you're sleeping, your brain is dreaming. So you're reiterating that same lesson over and over again, right? Fuzzy orange and black things are going to kill me. They're dangerous. I have to avoid them. You wake up the next morning. You want to go out into your day-to-day life. A bird flies by. It's a little bit orange. and It sort of shocks you because you're like, oh, wait, is it orange and black? Do I need to be aware? Do I need to be afraid of it? Now, you're about to leave this cave as a cave person. You just had a very traumatic experience. You are going to put behind every single shrub, every single tree, a tiger, that same saber-toothed tiger. Not because you want to consciously, but you're going to put it there because subconsciously, you're actually afraid that if you don't put it there and you don't plan for it, that you're going to miss it and you're going to be in danger and you might die. So there's this piece where you had a trauma, you learned something from it, you gained a lesson. The lesson is that fuzzy orange and black things will kill me. You look out into your world and all of a sudden your entire filter for the world dictates now that you're looking actively for fuzzy orange and black things. But if you're looking for that, what are you missing? Because your filter for how you see things is now so specific to the trauma. Now, this is where it gets interesting. You might have decided in that moment that you're going to build a skill. Well, you don't really decide. You basically in that moment are like, all right, I've got a skill set that I can develop here because now I'm hyper aware of all the tigers everywhere all the time. So you're going to get to be a hyper aware and very profound hunter, which is great because everyone now wants you to be part of their team. That's the skill set that you develop. But the negative is you're now hyper alert all the time. You can never relax. You can never calm down. You can never take a break. Now, this works really well while you're hunting. But what if next door a tribe moved in and it's the tiger killing tribe, but they're all in fuzzy orange and black outfits because they've taken the pelts of all those animals they would literally look to you like they were the worst possible people for you to be around, even though consciously they're the best people for you to be around because they actually would help solve this issue where you wouldn't have to be hyper aware and hunting tigers all the time. Okay. So this makes sense. It does. This and con- I want to take what my brain is saying and lay it out in front of you. And you can say, yes, yeah. Matt, you've got it. You've, you've Bring received it, the lesson. So one of the things that I've struggled with in my business, I would say I still struggle with it today, but I'm way more aware of it than when I was early on. I feel what you're saying, the elevated states. I'm a hunter. I'm a salesman. And so there are certain personality types that are tough for me to relate to. Like when they get hyper detailed, would you say like, this is along the same lines? Like if you're always operating in an elevated state, then you, you are too different from people of other personality types or other states. And so that's why you're repelling them. Is that, is that fair? 
Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I just think that when you're in a hyper-elevated state, it means your nervous system is dialed way up, which means you can come across sometimes as, not you personally, but people can come across as somewhat frantic and very high energy. And so it's not that you're going to repel other people. It's just that your nervous system is going to more tune to the people that have a similar nervous system to you. So you might not repel them, but you might not feel as comfortable around them because they're not ramped up as high as you are. Got it. And so a person that deals with all of their trauma is able to go through all of those states instead of just being stuck in one. Correct. So if a person decides to work on their trauma, specifically from childhood, and if there is business trauma too, they can actually turn down their nervous system so that they can be more calm so that the decisions they make are run by their conscious mind, not by the default operating system of that subconscious. It's pretty cool stuff. So let's walk through more examples. I think stories is going to be one of the best ways to unpack this. So, so give us a real life business situation, a real life trauma and sure. how this worked itself out. So there was one gentleman who came to me and he wasn't sure what his trauma was. Um, he had, when he was very young, his dad had died and he had been, he had realized that he was capping himself at about 2 million a year with his business. And he was about, he wanted, he had all these big plans, all these big goals, but he couldn't seem to get those goals moving the way he wanted to. So what we were able to identify doing some work together was that at the age that his father died, his father had only made a certain amount of money. So he believed subconsciously, wasn't aware of it consciously, but he believed subconsciously that if he made over $2 million, he would literally die. So anytime he got close to making that amount of money, he would end up in the hospital because he would create some health-related risk for himself to not get over that $2 million mark. So once we identified, you're actually not going to die if you hit over 2 million. And we rephrased a lot and reframed a lot in his own mind. Now he's gone on and he basically took his company to IPO status and they're making a ton of money. So 2 million is like a thing of the past. So essentially like in his case, he's got this not known, not conscious version that I can only make 2 million. And so how did he deal with that? Like what was the process well, to, to get rid of it? Yeah. So what typically happens is there is a lie that you form from a lesson. So like when he was a little kid and his dad died, he created the lie that if I make more than this amount, I will die. And in a little kid mind, right? It doesn't necessarily make sense. It's not logical. That's the lie he told himself. So he lived his whole life to a certain degree based on that lie. Then all of a sudden I said, okay, well, if this isn't true anymore, if there's some other truth that you could live by, what if we put that truth in instead? And what if we live based on that truth? This is obviously a big simplification of the process that I work through with people, but this is the main concept. So for anyone who has any level of trauma, if you're in trauma, you're usually suffering. If you're in your truth, it's easy. So you want to look at what aspect of your life where there's suffering and start to identify, okay, what could be the lie that's driving me into that suffering so that I can reframe it as a truth that I actually want to live in that gives me more ease. Again, simplification of the process, but this is the easiest way to make it very clear. So like in his particular case, did he have certain perceptions of his father like that led to that? For example, like his father was a workaholic and therefore he died making that money or were there other no, things? No, his dad wasn't. His dad wasn't a workaholic at all. His dad actually had like more fun time and wasn't, you know, he wasn't making a ton of money, but there was something in his mind that linked the two pieces. Gotcha. So the key for most people is you don't even know because you're 11, I guess your subconscious mind runs at 11 million data points. 
your conscious mind runs at 40. So it's very difficult to move through all those 11 million data points unless you have somebody to help you siphon out these key aspects. So it wasn't that his dad was a workaholic. It literally was just a lie that he built up and then he lived off of. And you have to look for the patterns over the life cycles of each one of the traumas to see what's the pattern that runs throughout all of the trauma. Yeah. And so given that these can be so like 11,000 connections, like, I mean, as a math major, my mind starts doing all the- 11 11 million. million. Thank you. Yeah. As a math major, my mind starts to do the, you know, the combinatorial mathematics and it's like, that's an infinite number of of possibilities, right? So how do you then dive into this and find out? Because these links don't seem logical. Like I'm trying to present a logical, like, oh, his dad does this. You're saying, nope, it ain't logical like that. How do you get in and dive in and discover what it really is? So the way I do it, and I think it's because I've been doing this for so many years, right? So then I can just, I can sort of see the patterns as I speak to someone. I'll be like, okay, well, this is, you know, tell me about a trauma in your life. And they'll tell me something, right? A perceived loss of control. And I'll listen to them talk about that. And then I'll say, okay, tell me about another perceived loss of control in your life. So I'll listen to them share about all the different types of traumas. They think they're all different. I'm looking for the pattern that runs among every single one to start identifying, okay, there's a specific pattern that runs throughout all your traumas. This is the pattern. Once we know the pattern, then we can actually break the pattern. Okay. So let's keep tying this back to this, the first story. So you've got this guy, he's got this scenario where he can't make more than 2 million. Were there other traumas that got tied together in his case? There were for sure. And I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. I have you know reports that I write up on this stuff, but the, the other traumas, the similar pattern was if I create more money, I will die. So that was the pattern that was linked throughout every single one. Now it didn't always show up that way. It might've been like, if I make this amount of money, I'll get sick. Or if I, you know, have a really deep relationship, it will make me unhealthy. Right. So when you look at all the different varietals of someone's life, you can start to see how they worked this one particular lie and they've run with it and it controls them to a certain degree. So this person had like, if I achieve above X level of success in any category, then, then I have to self-sabotage. Correct. And that's what most people have. They have a ceiling around, you know, if I get to this level of happiness, if I get to this level of money, if I get to this level of contentment or fulfillment in life, I will start to sabotage myself because I don't think I deserve the penthouse where everything works out beautifully for me. So people talk about that a lot. They'll be like, what's your ceiling on happiness? What's your ceiling on contentment? What's your ceiling on fulfillment? What's your ceiling on revenue? All I'm saying is that the trauma is going to dictate what that ceiling is. And in order for you to pass through that ceiling in any aspect of your life, you have to look at resolving the pattern that's been running from every single perceived loss of control in your life. It's a very like intellectual heady thing for sure. Which is, this is so exciting for me. So when we think about like, like I have a lot of conversations with myself, like I want to get to this amount of financial freedom. Am I creating my own ceilings by stating these goals over and over again? Well, I don't know if you're you're creating, you know, a ceiling. What I would ask more so is, okay, tell me about some time when you've been younger where you've had a perceived loss of control. Right? So, I'd be like, for example, we had a gentleman the other day and he had told me like his life was really good. He didn't have that many problems with his parents, but he's like, you know, when my parents got divorced when I was a young kid. And when my parents got divorced and when they were going through that process, they would both leave me and my younger brother at home 
and they would just be gone all night. And I would sit up and watch out of the window to see when they would come home. So in that moment, he created a lie, right? A story that he lived by that he had to be hyper vigilant until somebody came home. So when he's alone at night, his brain would get wired, like hyper wired into that vigilant state. And he wouldn't be able to calm himself down. That works really well when you're an entrepreneur building businesses, because then you can work around the clock and it's no big deal until you hit massive burnout. So he came to me because he was like, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. I don't know why I'm staying up so late. I don't know why I get into this cycle, this pattern. So then we looked at him and we're like, all right, well, if you lived in that state when you were this little kid and created a story that you had to be hypervigilant to take care of your brother while your parents were both gone, it would make sense that you would wire this into your brain and that would be how you function. But is that way of functioning supportive if you have a family? Is it supportive if you have to run a business during the day? It's not. And that's where we had to look at what behaviors now need to change, what mindsets need to change to unravel this pattern. What I don't know if this is helping give you more examples. But. Yeah, totally. I'll keep asking questions. We'll keep like looking at it from different angles because there's obviously this is a complex topic. So right. I have internally this desire to be financially free and and there's like the security. And I think like there's a certain element of it that's positive, but there's a certain element of it that, that feels like maybe it could have come from trauma, but I wouldn't know how to tie it together. And I, when I interview a lot of real estate investors, there's a lot of similarity I see in them that I do in myself, where it's like, you've got to get to here. Like you can't feel good about life until you get to here. So can you talk about like, given that that is probably a common trauma, like what, what are things that cause that? Sure. So what might cause that particular story, especially in the real estate world, um, sometimes it's having a father that never, you know, praised you or told you that you were good enough. Right. It might also be the fact that when you were younger, you didn't have any money and your family was very unstable. And so you compensated for that by going after real estate, right? It might also be that um, your mom was a single mom and she had to do everything and therefore you had to do everything to support her and try to manage her, right? So there are a lot of different customized experiences that might drive you to be like, oh, I need financial freedom to be secure. But a lot of people don't really think about okay, well, what's my number? What do I actually need to be secure? And then backwards engineer their life from that. They tend to just keep going and going and going because they haven't planned or designed their ideal life yet, if that makes sense. Okay, so so contrast two concepts for me. So there's a concept where it's like, I should continue to grow my wealth indefinitely because I should always be a better version of myself tomorrow than I am today. And I want to play the game at a higher level. Contrast that with that person's got a problem. It's like the person that's running a negative 20 degree temperatures so they could feel the cold, right? Like where is it just right. people justifying being unhealthy? And where is it like, you're just being the best version of yourself? Well, I think you can be the best version of yourself when you're feeling fulfillment, contentment, and um, success on the daily. So let me give you, this is going to be a little bit different for you, but I'm going to give you the definition of success that I use that I've been using with my team, because this helps under like this helps clarify where it's unhealthy versus healthy. Okay. So most people talk about success and they're like, oh, it's a goal in the future. It's this money value. I'm always going to be optimizing myself. And I'm always going to be going after more. Right. When my ex-husband and I looked at what success really means, we decided it's called, or we would use the definition. It's an optimized daily experience that you sustain over time. Notice it's a feeling. Success is a feeling. It's not a goal or an objective that you're going after. Because if you go after a goal or objective, you get to that goal or objective and it's hollow. 
It's empty. It doesn't give you what you want. You have a blip of fulfillment and then you're on to the next goal or objective. So instead, knowing how to create an optimized daily experience that you can sustain over time, that is more successful to me and more healthy than going after these big numbers that don't really mean that much. And they're just like, oh, I want to be a multimillionaire. Oh, I want to be a multimillionaire. Well, that's great. But what are you going to do with it? And how are you going to create a lifestyle around it that actually serves you? Because we do this because we want the freedom, right? But we're not having any freedom in the day to day because we don't have an optimized sustainable experience. Most of us don't. So let's dive into that. So an optimized sustainable, like you're saying, it's a feeling. How do we know success when- Success is a feeling. Success yep. is a feeling. Thank you. How do we know when that feeling is just protecting other traumas like versus being a true, authentic success feeling? So I think it's not that success- well, I would say you have to look at what you want your day to be like before you can tell if it's a trauma response or not. For me, if you're in suffering in your day-to-day experience, then you 100% have a trauma response that's in there or a trauma pattern that's driving you. If your days are easy and they feel good, which for a lot of entrepreneurs, they feel very guilty when they have like low productivity days or they think they're not being as productive as they should. When you have more ease and flow, that's when you're actually in that sustainable daily experience. And that's what success feels like. And so is it fair to say then that someone who's got an easy, light, amazing feeling day all day, every day that they've arrived, their traumas are all gone. Is that fair to say? I would say that it's not that their traumas are all gone. It's that they've learned how to manage the triggers of their traumas and the patterns that they do not impact their day-to-day experience. Because you're never going to resolve them completely and have them disappear, right? But you're not going to have them impact you and take you out for weeks at a time. You built three seven-figure businesses. I'm assuming you've had some traumas you've had to overcome. I know this is a personal question, so you don't have to answer it. But can you give us some, like, do you do this on yourself? Or do you have to have somebody else do it on you? Well, I've done as much as I can on myself, but then I, of course, have a team of coaches, right, that coach me so that I always have somebody who is a non-biased third party to see the stuff that I can't see. Because that's the problem with subconscious thought, right? 11 million data points, I can't sift through it on my own. But I will tell you, um, my ex-husband and I did a ton of work in this space. And what we found was that he had a really unique trauma set and I had a very unique trauma set and they synced up together to make us amazing in business but not as great on the relationship front because we always prioritize the business over our own relationship. That was part of our trauma. His trauma, because he was a Navy SEAL for 10 years, he told himself the lie that everything is going to shit and it's his fault. So he created the story in his mind all the time and the reality in his universe that everything was going to shit and it was his fault, which meant that he couldn't ever be abundant. He couldn't make the money that he wanted to make. He couldn't create the life he wanted or the relationship he wanted. Right. And then I had one where I was like, my, I think one of my biggest traumas was I can't be connected to this person because if I'm connected to him, he's going to die because we went through about 17 surgeries with each other. So then I kept myself a little bit separate from him. I could run businesses all day long with him, but that connection that we both craved and wanted, we couldn't create because his trauma was syncing up to my trauma and was causing all that havoc. So that was originally why, Matt, I started getting into this trauma side because I wanted to save the man that I loved from the trauma that was impacting his ability to be an entrepreneur and grow a business. So I spent 15 years looking into this and taking him to all these different consultants and therapists and traumas and trauma specialists and healers 
And it was only through that experience together that we started to identify, oh my God, all of the entrepreneurs we know are stuck in their trauma story and they're attracting team members who have the same traumas as they do to keep them limited with regards to what they can create and build. So let's dive into how does one recognize that they're only attracting the a certain set of people and then how do they expand that? Well, you'll see it if you have a team and you're doing any type of performance coaching for them or leadership development coaching and they're learning a lot, but their behavior isn't changing. That's when you know that there's a pretty significant trauma pattern that's likely developed from the CEO that the team is embodying. Because you've always seen, I'm sure you've seen this in business where, you know, the business will be flowing pretty well. Then the CEO jumps back in because he's trying to micromanage the team because he thinks there's something that's going wrong. And when he does that, the team goes and spirals out into chaos because there's some action by the CEO that caused that, right? So that's another example of where if your team is in a certain behavior pattern that they can't change, and if you're jumping in as the CEO and creating more chaos because of that behavior pattern, now you know there's something here that's got to be resolved. How how many businesses that you work with, like do you, how often do you come across businesses that have it together versus have a lot of these problems? Well, it's, it's funny that you say that because originally my ex and I and our team, we would go into businesses and, you know, really big ones. And we would bring all the amazing, you know, personal development tools, um, you know, leadership performance tools to their teams. And what we started to see was that you couldn't change the behavior of the team until you resolve the behavior patterns that were a problem with the CEO or the entrepreneur leading the charge. So that's where we shifted, I think about seven years ago, and we're like, okay, we're not going to focus on these huge companies anymore. We're going to focus on the entrepreneur and the key leadership team, because if you change the behavior of that team, it changes the behavior of every you know person that's on their team. So that's where we saw, for most teams, there are significant issues, but a lot of it has to do with behavior. Like if you were to say to me, what's the biggest problem you find in any, any business? It's always back to behavior. It's the behavior of the person, it's the behavior of the team. So does every solution then have to be custom because the traumas are custom? I think if you're doing one-on-one -on -one work with a CEO, then some of that has to be customized. If you're working to rewire specific mindsets that people get stuck in or some conscious thought that they get stuck in that's not serving them, there are like five rapid state change tools that I use and those can be done for bigger groups for sure. How, how does someone recognize that it's a skill deficiency or a strategy deficiency versus a trauma-induced problem? Well, I think the key for most people is you have to really identify what's their trauma loop, what's their trauma pattern, and then you'll be able to see, oh, what is a behavior of the trauma pattern is this. What is a skill that you need to develop is different. So, for example, you know, you might have somebody who um, their trauma pattern is that they have a loss of confidence because they don't know how they can't like pick up the phone to make more sales calls. That's part of the trauma pattern, right? The skill set, they already have learned how to pick up the phone. They have scripts, they have all these things, but they're not changing the behavior and their results aren't improving. That's where you're like, okay, it's not a skill issue. They have all the templates, all the items there. This goes back to probably something traumatic. Okay. This is really exciting. Because I just got off an interview maybe a couple days a week ago with someone who talked about when you face resistance, it's because you have brain deactivating activities versus brain activating. And he had done a lot of yes. brain scans. 
So his pronouncement on that was kind of like, you're stuck with what you got. You might as well just do brain activating activities. What you're saying is these brain activating or brain deactivating activities might just be the block is the trauma. Correct. 100%. So taking that to its logical extent, is it fair to say that when trauma is removed, there should not be any resistance on anything that you already have skill in? When trauma is reduced, you will see that there isn't as much resistance around skills that you're developing. I want to be really clear on that, right? Because we're not removing all trauma. What we're doing is we're, instead of trauma hitting you and taking you out for a day, two days, three days, the trauma hits, it's a trigger. You're like, all right, I know what this is. I know what this is linked to. In this moment, I get to make a choice. Am I going to choose the lie, the old operating system, or am I going to choose into what could be true for me if I go off of truth instead? So what could have taken you out for days or weeks is now taking you out for maybe an hour or two hours. So it's a much quicker turnaround, which means the behavior is changing. And that's what we want to see. Because otherwise, you just have a brain that's deactivated that isn't going to help you in any way, shape, or form, or you have a brain that's activated. So reduced trauma means reduced resistance. Correct. 100%. Which allows for increased activity. So and yep. yep. Perfect. So salespeople often don't love the resistance and the problems they come into with sales. So given that such a widespread distaste for most people being sales, you know, salespeople, is that really trauma related? Like does everybody have trauma around sales uh, or break that down? It's, it's not necessarily sales, right? But people who are in sales um, you know, if they're really good, it usually means that they've dealt with a lot of rejection, right? And they've been like, yeah, who cares? Rejection isn't a big deal. If you have somebody in sales who's a people pleaser, then you've got, there's a people pleasing related trauma that likely has caused that, right? And so then you have to look at that. I don't think everybody in sales, um, I mean, I don't think everybody in sales feels like they can't do the skills. I think they have limiting aspects based on trauma that prevents them from doing the skills and changing certain behaviors. So for what it's worth, I mean, I'm working with a team right now and three of the people on the sales team have a lack of confidence. They know all the, they have all the templates, they have all the skills. We're working to build their confidence and the confidence that lack thereof came from childhood trauma for all three of them. So the goal is we, re we reduce that impact of the trauma, their confidence goes through the roof then they can use all the tools and not feel like they're limited. How much can this, so, so trauma creates bad mindset. It creates bad thought processes, which limits, you know, behavior. Yep. So how, like, can, does someone need to work on something specifically or can they solve it generically? Like if you had a list of all the most amazing mindsets that someone could hold, if they went through that and adopted them, would that work just as well? Or do they need to specifically identify that they have trauma and fix it in that order? So typically trauma covers four different levels. Okay. So normally if you gave somebody a mindset, like, Oh, here's a new mantra. If you hold all these mantras, they're going to intellectually get to a new place, but trauma covers four different areas. There's the intellectual side of trauma, the emotional side of trauma, the somatic or body side of trauma, and then the neurochemical side of trauma. So if you just give somebody a mantra, that's just addressing the intellectual side of it. You're not addressing emotional, somatic, or neurochemical. So you really have to cover all four if you want somebody to move and change a behavior or move and change a mindset. So essentially when sales trainers have their salespeople that are having resistance because they have this trauma and they just say, look, get over it. You know, this is the job. Tell yourself this, do this. 
this is essentially why that doesn't work so often because they're only getting one or two of the functions that are dealing with the trauma. Correct. And that's where, you know, on the front end, it's easier sometimes if you have a really specific hiring process for those salespeople to ascertain what kind of traumas they might have had in their life, even though you have to be careful how you word those things. But if you can, then it it allows you to pick people that don't have as much resistance, right? They have more grit. They're used to being rejected. They're used to not being good at anything. And they're in it because they know if I put in the time and energy and effort, I'm going to make it through. I'm going to learn these skills and I won't have any resistance. So I'm always looking for people that have had to push through really intense experiences and aren't ever told, oh, I'm really good at this or I have a natural skill. I'm looking for people that have a ton of grit to move them forward because if they put in the time and effort and energy, then they usually can get more of a uh, result. Is grit the result of resolved trauma or is grit just showing an aptitude to overcome trauma? So grit can be showing an aptitude to overcome trauma. It just depends on what the trauma is and where that spider web of that trauma is in that person. Assuming, and we're not actually like assuming this in real life, we know that there's HR laws and we have to comply with them, but assuming there were no HR laws and you could ask whatever question in whatever way you wanted to any future employees, what would be the main questions you would want to ask to uncover? This is good. Um, I used to have a list of these, but I don't have them all off the top of my head. Um, I would say one of them I would ask for sure is where have you had to work through an extremely difficult experience emotionally, mentally, and physically? And how did you work through it? Because I want to understand how somebody has self-regulated through a very intense experience. The reason why I chose this word, and it's a very specific word of self-regulation, is because when I worked with the SEAL teams and watched the SEAL teams and observed what is the main thing that sets the seals apart that make it from the ones that don't it all had to do with this aspect of self-regulation how well do i emotionally manage myself how well do i intellectually manage myself how well do i physically manage myself so i'm always looking for how has a person done those things over time over time sustainably because that's going to give me a really good indicator of their level of grit so if you have somebody that is doing really really well in they're high functioning. Like a lot of times we talk about like these problems that we have in life, like alcoholism, like, well, they're a high functioning alcoholic or they're a high functioning, you know, person on the spectrum. Are there really high functioning people within this that are hiding it better or. Well, here's, here's the thing I always say, you are going to be an excellent entrepreneur because you had trauma earlier on in your life. And that trauma developed a specific skill set. Remember we talked about the caveman and we said he became a incredible hunter that everybody wanted on their team, you're going to develop a skill set that works really, really well and gives you a lot of quote unquote success until the day it doesn't. And that's when the trauma needs to be looked at because you start seeing, wait, I'm repeating a pattern here. The skill isn't getting me where I want to go anymore, or it's not getting me to that next level. And that's where you have to do the work or you get to do the work if you choose to. Yeah. One of the yeah, one of my mentors, he actually lives not far from me, always talks about like what gets you from A to B won't get you from like what you get you here won't get you there. The person that A to B is has to die in order for, you know, you to go on the next leg of your journey. And this feels like it, it resonates with that statement. Annie, 100%. thank you so much for coming on. Like this conversation was so, so incredibly fun. Guys, take down some notes. Like what, is, what trauma are you experiencing? Ask yourself the questions you would ask someone that you interview. Share these things with someone you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day, before you know it, you'll be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode.